0: you know this week this year the past few years i'm just going to talk this morning is that okay i'm just going to share some things on my on my heart i don't really have a message as much as i just have some things that i believe that the lord wants to share with us this morning and as a as a faith man as a faith preacher as someone who came uh, from a faith ministry who graduated from one of the greatest men of faith that I've ever had the privilege of sitting underneath. As much faith as it is that I declare that I have and as much faith as I declare that we want to preach and we want to walk in and we want to live in, there are still question marks in our life. I got them. I got question marks recently. Recently. But you know, for every question mark in my life, there's hundreds of exclamation points. I didn't even mean to say that, but I like that. I'm going to steal that. For every question mark that's in my life, there's a thousand, a hundred thousand, there's so many more exclamation points, but yet we build our lives and face our lives and determine our lives around our question mark. Since when did we put ourselves in a place that we expect to know everything about everything and understand everything about every situation that we ever encounter on this earth? Since when did we do that? We've made gods out of understanding. We've made idols out of understanding things. And I'll be the first one to tell you I don't understand everything. That will not come as a shock to those of you that know me. I don't understand. Thank you for that amen. Don't shout me down. I don't understand everything, but there are certain things that I do understand. There are things that I do know, and I know that in the absence of the exclamation point and the presence of a question mark does not remove the permanency of His power and His word in my life. That there's, a, there's gaps in our understanding that we don't understand and I, I, don't, I don't understand those gaps. And I'm asking the Lord and have asked the Lord, will you fill in those gaps? I asked Him this week, there was some things that has transpired over the past couple of months with our family and I'm asking the Lord, what in the world is happening? Because I know if it's happening to me, it's happening to you. And so I said, a lot of times what ministers to me will minister to you. So I'm just going to simply share with you what God has shown me about the presence of question marks in our life. Go to Judges chapter 20. I'm going to share an interesting story that I actually heard somebody else talk about. And I've never, I don't believe I've ever read this story. If I have, I don't remember it. You know, people say, I've read the Bible cover to cover. Yeah, but that don't mean you necessarily remember what you read. Any of you ever drove home and then forgot the trip there? You just arrived and you're like, wait a minute, that's weird. I just drove home and I don't remember nothing. You can do that with the Bible. You can be driving along the road of the Scripture and just forget where you're at and be daydreaming, but your eyes are still reading. (coughs) Judges chapter 20. You know, We as a family, how many of you believe that the church is a family? It should be. We were ministering to somebody the other day, and I said, have you ever been to a restaurant? Because they said we've been hurt by church before. And I said, have you ever been to, what's your favorite restaurant? And they said, I think it was Longhorns. And I said, have you ever been to Longhorns? And the meal was terrible. And they said, yeah. And I said, but you have never been back, right? And I said, no, we've been back. Your mama ever hurt you? But she's still your mama. Any of you divorced your mama yet? No, that's the terrible thing about family. You can't get rid of them. (laughs) But yet in church, we get hurt, we go to another church. I'm done with church. I don't want nothing to do with church. Well, your steak was terrible that night, but you still go back and order the same steak. How many times have you been to eat, and the steak has been, you know, okay, that wasn't good, but you still go back. But you went back. You still. It's like you're glutton for punishment. All right, we're gonna get it right this time, right? You stick with them because you love them. <clears throat> anyway, I'm I, I'm throwing some things out there at you because I want to get you to think. But we stick with, we stick with the ones. We stick with the people that we love and if we don't stick with them, we find ourselves in a very lonely place in life. And the loneliest people in life are the ones who have no family. The ones who are just miserable. You know, where they're going to see my faults. Can I let you in on a little secret? They already see them. You can't hide them that well. You can dress them up with Facebook and Instagram and post your pictures like you've got the greatest life on the face of the earth. But at the end of the day, people that are closest to you are people that see you. They see through it. the enemy desires to destroy. The enemy desires to separate. And the ultimate one he wants you to separate yourself from is the family of God, is God himself. God, why did this happen? And you got the question mark in your life, so you say, you know what, I'm done. I prayed, and it didn't work. You know, I was going to start a new series today, but not a new subject, but I was going to start a new series on faith. And I was going to talk about faith. I was going to talk about fake faith, phony faith. And how I've come in contact with people, and they go, oh, I believe that stuff, and it don't work. Have you ever thought that maybe the reason it didn't work was because you did something that didn't work it? How is it that everything that happens in our lives, sometimes we automatically go, Why did you do this, God? This woman you gave me. Why, when we have the absence of an exclamation point and we have a huge question mark, am I the only one that's got question marks in my life? You have a question mark in your life and the first person you look to as to the reason it didn't work is God. The creator of the heavens and the earth, who was and is and forever will be, who spoke light out of darkness, formed and fashioned you out of the dust of the earth after he had already prepared the place for you and breathed his life into you. And the reason it didn't work was because he failed you. I'm getting a little excited, so let me calm down. Judges chapter 20, and I asked the Lord, there were some things that have happened, and I asked the Lord, I said, can you show me something? Because as far as I know, I'm not doing things in my life that I shouldn't be doing. In 2007, in the summer of 2007, we had a miscarriage. And we laid before the Lord and said, what did we do? We didn't do anything. I can't tell you what sin was in our life because there wasn't any. We had a beautiful baby girl and we believed that it was a it was a boy because she would lay her hands on the tummy and say, Baby Bubba. We'd ask her, What is it? Is it a boy or a girl? And she said, Baby Bubba. I don't know. I have friends of ours that carried the term of their baby full, almost full term, and they lost the baby and had to give birth to the baby and it was dead. Why? There was no, I know the man, there was no sin in his life. But yet, here's this big question mark, and we go, why? And we make a God out of it, and we make an idol, and we turn from the place where we ought to stand the greatest to the place that we don't know, and we wander away from what we do know. Because we've made an idol out of knowing. Somehow, we've got to navigate in this place of question marks and still keep ourselves firmly rooted and grounded in the love of God no matter what. But we've got to talk about it. Faith, the thing I have about faith preachers that I see, not all of them, but some of them, because I've had experience. I grew up as little, even before, I mean, I, we, I've been going to faith churches and non-denominational charismatic churches as long as I grew up on the faith men that we know. And yet you don't hear much about faith anymore. Why? Because it got hard. And in the absence of reality... Or what we think is reality. We choose to preach and go to something that's not. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. The Bible says that there's, you can't please him. It's impossible. To me that tells me that faith is a pretty important subject. And yet we don't preach it. We don't hear it as much. Why? Because we don't know what to do with the question marks in our life. And so we go to safe ground. We go to something that we can quantify because we don't know the reason why you laid hands on Aunt Bertha and prayed and believed that that cancer died and she still died because it causes us to doubt God. You know, the opposite of faith faithlessness. Doubt in your mind doesn't change the faith in your heart. I thought about something of a way to describe it. You can't stop the vacuum cleaner salesman from coming and knocking on your door. But you don't have to give him an invitation in and invite him in to sit down and show you something and persuade you to buy something that you really don't need. Just because a bird flies over your head doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. You can't prevent a bird flying over your head. But by gosh, you can stop it from making a nest in your, brain, in your head, in your hair. Doubt comes to all of us. The, the, the immediate response of emotions that happen in the situation of a moment comes to all of us. It's what we do in that moment that determines the outcome and how we walk through that process. And faith, some faith people don't talk about that. I've prayed for people and they've lived and I've prayed for people and they've died. I've believed God for our situations in our own personal life and it worked and I've believed God and it didn't work. Or so I thought. But I don't make a religious doctrine out of, well, I prayed and it didn't work. That's that's a lie. The Bible says, let God be true. And every man, that means man's ways, man's thinking, man's reasonings. Let man be a liar. Well, you know, God doesn't heal everybody today. Liar! Judges chapter 20. Israel, one of the tribes of Judah, Benjamin, one of the tribes of Judah, one of the twelve tribes. Okay, so Benjamin's tribe, they had gone off. They were rebellious. They were against God. They were doing things. They were sinning. Turn to your neighbor and say, in sin. But the tribe of Judah was not. Verse 18, then the children of Israel arose and went up to the house of God to inquire of God. They said, which of us shall go up first? To battle against the children of Benjamin, the Lord said, Judah first. In, 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 in the Old Testament, the name Judah means praise. That means our position for our battle should always be a position of praise. It's very important before we read any further that you get this. Before you go to battle, you need to be in a posture in a position of praise. If the only time you praise God is when you feel good, you're carnal. I mean, my girls get happy when I give them a sucker. But it's in the absence of suckers in our life that we choose to say, even though I don't have the sucker, even though I don't have a popsicle, even though I don't have that toy, even though I don't have that thing, I don't understand what I prayed and what I believed, and it's not coming to pass. Yet will I praise Him? See, I don't constri- okay, I don't contribute to Job's. Wisdom. I don't believe that though He slay me, I don't believe that God slay, there's nowhere in the Bible where I can find that about His character and His nature. What I do find is in the absence of our understanding, we attribute things to God that are not true. Well, God didn't heal me. You're right. He didn't heal you because He already healed you. Well, God didn't save my uncle. You're right. He didn't save him. He has already saved him. He's already provided that salvation for him. And so in the absence of our understanding, we create a doctrine and we base that doctrine. So I don't subscribe to Job. But what I do admire about the man is even though he attributed the destitute and the death and the loss in his life to the one who gives life, even though his doctrine was off, he still said, yet will I praise him. And everybody that's ever preached Job to me, Job this, Job that, Job's boils, Job's death, He lost all his family. He lost all his wealth. Job, Job, Job. Poor old Job. There was nothing poor about Job. He got double what he lost. So if you're going to preach to me about the loss in my life, then bless God, you better mount up and preach the blessing in my life as well. Where was that at? Thank you if we understood if we just had a grasp of the of the concept of restoration in the Bible, it is so profound and so loud that if we had a concept of the of the restoration of God that every time we suffered loss we'd rejoice. Because every time a child of God lost something, they got it back. Double at least. Job got it double at least. Every time. Abraham and Sarah suffered loss. They could never have any children. And yet you and I stand here today as blood relatives of the father of faith, Abraham. I know that's hard to understand, but in the moment of your loss, you should be rejoicing. Because the Bible says that whatever the enemy has stolen, well, it wasn't really the enemy because you was an idiot and you gambled away your money. It doesn't matter. The influence of the enemy and in this realm was upon you anyway. That was never God's intention. His intention was never for us to live in a fallen world. But here we are living in it. And yet in the absence of that reality, God still brings forth restoration. He's a God of restoration. (laughs) Even with hard-headed, knuckle-headed people like the Israelites who said, we had it so much better in Egypt. No, you didn't. You were slaves and beaten and driven. But yet because you got to exercise your faith a little bit, it becomes hard. And we tend to fall back on that which is easy. Instead of that which is hard, See, God's a, a, an efficient God. We pray for mountains to be removed and God gives us a seed and says, now, plant the seed and watch the mountain move. Well, we don't want that. We want the explosion. We want the thing to puff up in smoke and explode. But God is a God of seed time and harvest. And the things in your life And the things in my life that we are believing God for are going to come from the seeds of our mouth that are watered by the beliefs that we have formed from the Word of God. Not from the question marks in our life. Anybody can preach about question marks. Anybody can make a doctrine out of a question mark. Somebody said not too long ago, well, surely a million people or a thousand people or that many people can't be wrong. Really? And the children of Israel rose and went up to the house of God to inquire of the Lord. They said, which of us shall go up to battle against the children of Benjamin? The Lord said, Judah first, position of praise. You ready? So the children of Israel rose in the morning and encamped against Gibeon And the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin, and the men of Israel put themselves in battle array to fight against them at Gibbon. Then the children of Benjamin came out, and on that day cut down to the ground 22,000 men of the Israelites. And the people, that is the men of Israel, encouraged themselves and again formed the battle line, at the place where they had put themselves in array on the first day. Then the children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until evening and asked counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall I again draw near for battle against the children of my brother Benjamin? And the Lord said, Go up against him. So the children of Israel approached the children of Benjamin on the second day, and Benjamin went out against them from Gibbon. And on the second day, and cut down to the ground 18,000 more of the children of Israel, all these drew the sword. (coughs) <coughs> then the chi- then all the children of Israel, that is all the people, all the people, went up and came to the house of God and wept. They sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. So the children of Israel inquired of the Lord. The ark of the covenant of God was there in those days. And Ph- Phen- Ph- Phenis, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before in those days saying, Shall I yet again go out to battle against the children of my brother Benjamin, or shall I cease? And the Lord says, Go up, for tomorrow I will deliver them into your hands. Now that was a lot. That was a mouthful. What's the purpose of reading that passage? The purpose of is they didn't do anything wrong. They did everything right. They went to the Lord and said, what shall we do? And he told them what to do, and 26,000 died. So now what? So what's the answer? I don't know. And that's okay. Because the point of this story was, they went before the Lord. And they kept going before the Lord and they kept the posture of praise and they kept that position of seeking the Lord no matter what. And I'm telling you that this is one of the only stories that I can find in the Bible where they didn't do anything wrong and yet they suffered loss. Why? Because we live in a fallen world and God doesn't allow sickness, He doesn't allow disease, He doesn't allow murder, He doesn't allow those things, but what He does allow is the process of living in a sin-filled world Will these things will still continue to happen. But yet He's given us, the children of God, the answer to these questions. See, I don't like theology that lacks something. I don't believe Jesus lacked anything. I don't believe the Bible lacked anything. I don't believe there are gaps in the true nature of God. God doesn't make anybody sick. He doesn't kill anybody. He doesn't call loss in our lives because He's a God of life. But yet we all have experienced loss. We all have experienced death. We all have experienced hurt. And so what do we do? With that gap of understanding, we inquire of the Lord and we refuse to leave the position of standing upon the Word of God and His doctrine and and the truth and the principles of the Word of God. No matter what. No matter what. That, to me, is the true nature of faith. See, I think the whole point of the book of Job was not to determine what it was that happened to Job, although we could arrive at some conclusions on both sides. I believe the point of Job was, what do you do when you don't know why? What do you do when you don't know why? And the Lord said go up for tomorrow I have delivered them into your hands. Tomorrow is here. That's what I heard the Spirit of the Lord say this week. Tomorrow is here. Look at me. Tomorrow is here. Not tomorrow. It's here. I heard the Lord say for God is about to show us the multiplication button. Up until this point, we've been using the addition and the subtraction button. But I heard the Lord say, you're about to experience my multiplication. And it's got nothing to do with you and everything to do with me. You know, if you take two and you hit times, 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 you know, before long, you get up to some pretty big numbers. What is it in your life that you've been trying to add, add, add? God said, just quit. I'm fixing to multiply, 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 multiply. It's guaranteed. I wrote this down. That don't you know that we serve a God that has a reputation for showing up in situations that are complete loss and providing a miracle that absolutely circumvents your current state of affairs and your understanding? Oh God, what are we going to do? We got a big ocean and Pharaoh's army is behind us. What are we gonna do? We all gonna swim real fast? What are we gonna do? The God that I serve, the reputation is he shows up and parts the water. The God that I serve takes a woman who in her 90s couldn't have any children to begin with, and Abraham, and gives them a child. That's the kind of God that I serve. The kind of God that I serve raises someone from the dead that's been in the grave for three days and stinks. That, that, that's, that's the reputation of my father. The reputation of my father is to take the, the, the doctor's prognosis over your life and turn it into a praise testimony. Can I juice you up? The reputation of my father takes three men who refuse to bow their knee to the king in authority at that time and causes them to come out smelling like a rose. The father that I serve, my father, I don't know about your father, my father, took a man that was thrown into the den of hungry lions and turned them into pillow pets. The kids got to laugh out of that. Y'all didn't get that. The God that I serve looked at a man who didn't really know whether it was Jesus or not and he said, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. And he said, come. The God that I had, that I serve, took a man, the only man, mind you, in that boat that had the gumption, can I use that word, to step out in the midst of a storm because everybody knows you can't walk on water when there's a storm, only when it's calm and begins to walk on water, the kind of God, the reputation of the Father that I serve, is the one that even when you doubt, He still raises you up out of your current situation. That's the God that I serve. Why has it got to be the God that let me down? Sitting about faith, but I'm fixing to give you a faith. Ready? Ready? Because this is something that I don't There are verses and scriptures in the Bible that I, didn't, that I don't like, that I've never understood, but I, get, I even like this one now. Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. We like that faith chapter, the hall of faith. But can I read you the end of that chapter? And what more shall I say? Verse 32. For the time would fail me to let Gideon and Barak and Samson and Japheth, also David and the Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became vigilant in battle, turned to fight the armies and aliens. Women received their dead, raised again to life. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Hang on, Lord, I think you put that in the wrong place right there. By faith, women received their dead, raised again to life. Others were tortured. Others were tortured. Others, by faith, were tortured. By faith had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, of chains and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawed into, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. All of these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. So if you're going to preach it, you've got to preach all of it. Just because you believe God for something and you don't understand why it didn't happen, doesn't mean that it didn't happen. It doesn't mean that he failed. It doesn't mean that it didn't work out. It just means that we don't understand. And that's okay. We think we got to have an answer for everything. People call me and ask me all the time. And I say, uh, I don't know. But I know the one who does know. And I know how we can find out. Zechariah chapter 9. Turn there. And I'm going to attempt to close this. Zechariah chapter 9. This is very interesting to me. The way that he says some things. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 12. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today I declare that I will restore double to you. For I have bent Judah, Uh uh-oh, there's that word again, with my bow fitted the bow with Ephraim and raised up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and made you like the sword of a mighty man. The word Judah means praise. But do you want to know what the word Ephraim means? It means fruitfulness. You get a sucker at the end of service for calling that one out. That means that in the place of your praise is where the fruitfulness will come. That if you and I will position ourselves and praise Him and stay in faith, No matter what, even with question marks coming across our life, we stay in faith. I prayed, I believed, and it didn't work. Well, Lord, you didn't fail me, so what I don't know, you show me. Can can I get somebody to say amen? What I don't know, he will show me. Lord, we missed it, we messed up, it didn't work, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't work. It just means that I don't understand, so I will praise you even more. He says, return to the strongholds, the people of hope. What is the strongholds in our life? When I'm talking about bad, I'm talking about good. This place is a stronghold for you. We sat with some people the other day and said, you need to be plugged in with a family, and if you're not, you better find one. Why would you want to go through life by yourself? Well, I don't like what that preacher wears. I don't like what he said. Well, maybe the reason why you don't like what he says is because it's what you need to hear. Or maybe he's wearing something that you need to get out of your religious mindset. There you go. Family. Turn to your neighbor and say family. Say we're family. Family. Family don't run from each other just because they're mad at each other. Because the truth of it is, if that was the case, none of you would have any family because you've all been hurt. You've all been mad. You've all been weary. Family don't leave each other just because they disagree. Just because you disagree with God doesn't mean you walk away from God. We got enough sense, okay? We have enough sense to not walk away from our jobs when we disagree with the boss, but we're stupid enough to walk away from God when we disagree with God. We place more confidence in our lives, in our, in our workplace with our bosses than we do with the great one who created that position. And, and, and this is how I know this. Because Pharaoh looked at Jesus and said, don't you know what I can do? And he said, you can't do nothing but what my father. So we doubt the one who says I can do this. I mean, we doubt the one that created the one that says I can do this. And we put faith in the one. That didn't create anything. No, we praise him no matter what. I, don't even add. Yet he slay me. Don't even add that part. Job said, "Yet he, yet though he slay me, I will praise him." No, just leave that part out. I will praise him. Period. Psalm thirty-four. Turn there, and then we're gonna. I'm gonna close with two thoughts. Psalm thirty-four. And then we're gonna close. Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. See, we say that when we win the lottery. I'm talking about Christianity wise. You know? Glory! I got a raise. I will bless the Lord at all times. Y'all don't remember that from the 80s where people used to dance like that? Y'all don't remember that? I grew up with people dancing like that. We praise him when we land that big job. We, we praise him when somebody writes us a check. Yet, though, will I praise him? What don't we? We praise him when we go get the harvest. We're pulling it in. We praise him till we walk up to the market and found out that corn has dropped. Our watermelons didn't turn out the way they ought to. Or you did that tile job and realized that you messed up. You got to go back and do it again. Or you worked on that trailer and jacked it up seven ways from Sunday. You didn't even realize it, so you got to go back and eat all that and fix it again. Now where's your shout? Come on, do shout me down while I preach. Shout me down while I preach. Where's your shout then? No, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. That means in loss and in victory. Good or bad, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, well, I don't feel like it whether you praise him in your tears. The reality of what grips you in moments of tragedy is real. But his presence is more real. Because what we suffer here, what we see here, is temporary. What was it he said? To you, Sandra, he said, I'm realizing that the things in my life are temporary and that over the vast expanse of eternity, they mean nothing. we got to be more eternity-minded. Jesus, on many accounts, told the disciples, look! Because they weren't looking with their spiritual eyes, they were looking with their natural eyes. Whatever the loss is in your life, whatever you've experienced, whatever it is, okay? So I'm going to take you to this, okay? So the fall of 2007, no, the summer of 2007, because we were at the beach. The summer of 2007, we had a miscarriage. We didn't know it, but it was, she, he was gone. And we came back and we had to go to the doctor and the doctor gave us the report and it was emotional and we didn't understand it and I'm a faith man. And so we was like, you come back to life in the name of Jesus, I speak life. And it didn't work. Or so I thought. And so what do you do? I'm faced with the reality, we're faced with the reality that we fall short because Jesus didn't do that. God didn't do that. But somehow, way, I didn't understand it. But even in the midst of that, now guess what? I got double. I got Laney and I got Bren Bren And that's more than double because both of them are a handful. But I got double. And now the tragedy that used to bring tears, now we celebrate because we will see him once again. Come on, I'm preaching better than you responding. He's better than that. So two things. I want to close with this. Two things. As a church, okay, so I'm going to talk to you as a church. You're part of this church. You're part of the body of Christ. As a church, we are in transition. The new covenant as we know it is dying. Because he said, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it will not bear fruit. (coughs) So it's dying. But we're getting ready to birth the new that God's been stirring up in all of us. So in that process of time, the enemy has come against. And the situations and the reality of where we're at is real. Somebody said, The other day, I got a testimony that somebody said we done sold the building to Indians and they're going to turn it into a Buddhist colony. Well, first of all, Indians don't worship Buddha. It's true. They don't. The predominant is Muhammad, really, in the religion. But it gets better. They said the reason we're selling it is to pay off the million dollars worth of debt that we owe. We don't owe a million dollars. We don't owe half a million dollars. But the reality is that the enemy has come, Okay, so then we're looking, we're selling, we're, we're, we got it on the market, but we do it with an open hand. But we know what the Lord has already said about birthing the new. And so that's coming, that's coming. Listen to me guys, tomorrow's here. If it weren't for a little bit of preparation that we need to do, I would announce it today. But all in God's timing. And so we're looking at going into, because we want to be in the city. We want to reach the city do you know that you can't even, you can't even have a church in the city no more unless you're annexed in certain areas because of the zoning laws? That even fired me up even more. I said, Well, bless God, we definitely come into the city now. The resistance is there. So we had a surplus of finances, and we used that surplus to revive, Re, uh, revamp some things to bring it up, so that when we get, you know, we didn't know what we were doing at the time, but it's added value to this place. But in the in the uh, in the reality of that, during that process, we we have experienced some financial challenges, and you know what I'm talking about because every one of you been there. So this is what the Lord said. I'm just going to tell you this is what the Lord said. We as elders, we met, we talked, we prayed, we believe this is what the Lord wants to do. Every Sunday, for a season of time, we're going to have two offerings. We're going to have our normal tithes and offerings, and then we're going to have a sacrificial offering specifically to just cover the building and the power and the insurance, which, by the way, is over $6,000 every month. Now, see, that ought to make you shout. Because look around, we've been here and He has provided over and above. And so I asked the Lord, I inquired of the Lord, what are you doing? And the Lord said to tell you, this is what He said to me, He said, the power of your provision is in your seed. Now, we have never begged, borrowed, or stealed to you, for you, about you, for money. We've never done that. All we've simply said is, giving you the information, tell you where we're at, then giving you the opportunity to give, okay? That's what I'm doing this morning. But what I'm going to ask you to do, and I know you're not ready for it today, and that's fine because we're going to do this for a season of time. I want you to inquire of the Lord what He would have you do during this season of time. David said, I will not give God anything that didn't cost me something. Isaiah chapter 54, I'm going to read this. You don't have to turn there. Isaiah chapter 54 says this. (coughs) Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married women, says the Lord. Seeing your barrenness or the the fruitfulness that you're looking for in your life is actually in the praise. It's in the rejoicing. Psalm chapter 84 says this, He said, how lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs yet even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young, even your altars, O Lord of hosts. It's almost like that part is out of place. And the Lord said, when you bring your barrenness to the altar of his glory and you give him praise, that's where your fruitfulness will lie. So stand with me. I'm going to read this to you. I don't don't want you to read anything into it. I just want you to listen to it. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. See? We didn't put our trust in riches, Lord. We left it all to follow you. I'm just going to follow Jesus. And Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, There is no one, turn to your neighbor and say no one, who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now (coughs) in this life. What am I saying? I'm saying that you're our family. We're a family together. And when we set out to build the house, our house, we gathered all the kids together and we sat down and we said, now listen. Mom and daddy's in transition. We as a family are in transition. And during this time of transition, we're going to have to tighten up in some areas. Not because we don't have enough, but because we're choosing to put our resources in better places. Well, I'm saying to you that that's where we're at. We're having to tighten up. We have tightened up. But we're at a place where you need to know and be involved in this process because we're a family. And when we leave this place spiritually, I'm not necessarily talking about naturally, when we leave this place spiritually and go to the next thing that God has for us, which will be very soon, you're you're a part of that. You play a part of that. This is the family of God. So I'm going to pray, and this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to ask you to ask the Lord, all right, Lord, what do you want me to do? And what are you wanting me to do? And then I'm going to get somebody to come up here and dismiss us, okay? And then that box right back there in the back, that's where you can put your sacrificial gift. We've already talked. We know what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to do the same thing and just talk to the Lord, okay? Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, you are the one who could take a little and turn it into a lot. You're the one who could take a little boy's lunch and multiply it to such a degree that it feeds 15, 20,000 people. And then he goes home with extra. You're the one who does that. And Father, I, I don't know if I articulated and expressed the heart of where we're at and what we're trying to say but I know that you can and clear it up with everybody. So Lord, here's what we say. We say, this is your house. We are your people and we are going to believe together and sacrificially ask you to to give us what we're supposed to give and then, then I hear the Lord saying that some of you say, well, I don't even have any seed. I don't, I don't have any money. And He said that He would give you seed. He would give seed to the sower. That if you would ask, He would give you seed to sow. Lord, You are the one that causes the multiplication. You're the one that does these things. We just simply line ourselves up with You and agree with You and exercise our faith. And so in the name of Jesus, we ask You, to drop into our hearts what we individually are supposed to do during this season of time we all agree, we ask you we believe that you're going to reveal that to us even in this moment now beyond that we thank you that you said that my God you will supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus we believe and agree for the, for the $6,000 that we need every month to go over and above what we're doing. Father, you are preparing us for what we're about to embark on. And you never call someone, you never call someone to do something that you won't fund. And so, Lord, we thank you. We release our faith for that this morning in the name of Jesus. You in agreement? Brother Bill, Miss Carol, would y'all come up and you guys have walked through all kinds of stuff and seen things and experienced things. I just feel like you're supposed to declare some things over us and then pray over us and dismiss us.
1: Well, I know that The word says it's in my giving that I receive. And just like the pastors just said, we've been times that we didn't have anything to give, but our heart, we had a giving heart. And through the years, we've watched the Lord give us money to be able to give to other people and he knew that was our heart we we've had other people give to us in our time of need and so if you'll just trust the father and just begin where you're at if you got a dollar if you got five dollars it doesn't matter to him it's the condition of your heart he's looking at your heart he, he's, he has no lack. There's no lack in the kingdom. There's no lack in the kingdom. He just wants his children to get their hearts right. And when we do that, then he's able to heap all that on us because he knows we're not going to keep it for ourselves. that we're going to just give it back. And, and that's what he wants us to do, just to keep our hand open. And he's able just to run it all through to wherever he wants it to go, right? And it's for the kingdom purpose. That's what it's all about.
2: Seed time and harvest. He said, "As long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest." And you know, I uh, just was speaking at a place Thursday, and I was telling them about uh, Pastor talking about multiplication, and uh, you hardly. In fact, I don't even know of a seed that you plant that only gives you one seed back. I don't even know of one. You know, I've told the story many times. My dad, we lived in Kentucky, and we had a little garden, and my dad would plant corn, and he would put three kernels in each hill because he said, you know, uh, we don't know which one will germinate, but at least one of these three will And that out of every seed you got a stalk, and every stalk had three years of corn, and every ear of corn had multiple hundreds of seeds of corn on it. Carol and I have been, in fact, I just remember we were in a church in Jacksonville, Florida years ago, and a lady sent her daughter over to me with a note and it had ten dollars in it. And I didn't even have money to buy bread. And it said, his eyes are looking to and fro to the earth to see someone who would have faith. And he told me to give this to you. And since then, I've been able to give. I've asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I want to give. I want to give a lot more than that. And he's provided. I'm telling you, it works. God's word is truth. I used to go to Brother Charlie's and I told him, I said, you know, today was a rehab, uh, a uh, uh, rescue mission. And I said, today you may not have but a quarter to give to somebody. You give the quarter, next week you'll be able to give a dollar or whenever. Eventually you'll be able to buy a person a meal. That's the faithfulness of our God. And you know what? God doesn't do this because he wants your money. He does this because he wants to bless you. He always blesses. The Bible says he will owe no man. He's a faithful God. Father, you're so good to us. Sir, we can't even comprehend how great you really are. And, sir, you said to him who believes, all things are possible. So, Father, we believe. And we expect, because we know who you are, we expect to see things that we didn't even think possible, sir. And we give you praise for it. We give you praise for it right now, this day, for the great things that you are going to do. That you have already set in motion. Father, your word says while you yet pray, the answer is on the way. So while we yet pray, Father, you already have set in motion the answers. So we thank you and give you glory for it. And we expect to see it manifest in Jesus' name. Now I declare your people blessed. Sir, you said your word never returns to you void. But it always accomplishes what you set it out to do, sir. And that is our confidence. (laughs) Our confidence in you that you will work your word in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.